All right, welcome to a uh, another episode. We've named it uh, "Goddamn Liberals." Um, so I don't know if you're with that pronunciation. Which is uh, here's their uh, Texas version of "Goddamn Liberals." Yeah, yeah, just the the "Goddamn Liberals," but <laughs> so it's, uh, trying to do a uh, weekly, bi-weekly. Um, episode um, from these uh, crazy socialist radical um, liberals and uh, yeah. from our perspective because we're, we're so radical in our thinking here. Mm-hmm. But um, being in Georgia and, and the implications of the Senate runoff race to Georgia um, are pretty um, big, I think, um, oh, yeah. because it's going to determine control of the Senate for the next couple of years. Yeah, is, uh, is the government going to be in deadlock for two years while COVID finally starts to end, or are we actually going to get relief to people? Yeah. And what I thought we'd do with this episode was uh, dig deeper into the four candidates. Um, Kelly Loeffler is running against um, Raphael Warnock, and then John Ossoff is running against uh, David Perdue. So you, you did a really good job of filling in and um, finding some uh, some points there with the uh, the different races. So um, I guess I'll let you kick it off there. What you found um, about uh, Miss Lawler and Mr. Warnock there? Oh yeah, it's uh it's interesting the the parallels between Loeffler and uh, or yeah I guess the, there, there's parallels between Loeffler and Pidu, but uh, like in terms of uh, comparison of uh, Loeffler to, to Warnock is uh, Loeffler is very much uh, very much part of big business. Uh, she likes to call herself an outsider, but really she's very much an insider in terms of big business and uh, the radical right. Uh, she's uh, uh, she's part of or uh, she was, I believe. She was employed by the Intercontinental Exchange. I don't remember ex- her exact position, but she actually helped them establish a, uh, effectively a tax haven in the Cayman Islands. She's very much someone who does not believe that businesses should pay their fair share in society, that it's okay for them to profit and not give anything back to the country. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. Um, you got all this money sitting in a bank, and all this control, a little bit more um, local information about Intercontinental Exchange. They have a um, office building um, in Metro Atlanta, roughly at uh, 285 or 75 mm-hmm. on the northwest side of town. Um, that, if I believe, that Loeffler took over the former office uh, space here in the, in the same area of Metro Atlanta from John Isaacson, who stepped down and then, of course, Kemp uh, appointed. Uh, for the Senate position. Um, and then her home is a little bit south of here, down in Buckhead. There's actually been some um, weird back and forth stuff of, you know, no, that's not her house, or people are getting pictures of Tyler Perry's house. But it's pretty clear that uh, she's in, uh, well, there's one article out there that says she's most likely the richest U.S. senator right now. Oh, yeah, that's, that's completely not surprising. Um, uh, and she's definitely enriched herself even further with COVID. Uh, she traded a lot uh, just before the COVID crash with her former employers in Intercontinental Exchange. So it's uh, like she was very clearly aware that things are going to happen while she was saying something completely different to the public. So let's, let's picture ourselves as someone in middle or South Georgia. In Georgia, you have pretty much Atlanta, a little bit of Santa. You've got these other metropolitan cities around. Um, but pretty much, for the most part, I mean, half of the state's population lives in Metro Atlanta. The other half of the population is spread out. If I'm not mistaken, Georgia is the largest state east of the Mississippi. It's a pretty big state, 159 counties we have here. Wow. Yeah, it's... And growing up in the state, up in South Georgia, that there, it's ironic that I told myself growing up that I never wanted to move to Atlanta. That I thought it was too hustle bustle, <laughs> the folk up there and everything. 
um, I can't imagine moving back to South Georgia at this point. Um, and, you know, perspectives, and, you know, we went down to um, Florida for Thanksgiving holidays and saw a lot of Trump signs and flags out, and even though he had, you know, clearly lost the race. But what I'm trying to get at here is trying to picture yourself as someone in Georgia, mm-hmm. um, most likely the people that you hang out with, your family that's near you, probably have a lot of uh, Republican-leaning or conservative-leaning folks. Mm -hmm. How in the world does someone in that kind of bubble think that voting for these super-rich people is in their best interest? It's still bothers my mind. Um, We can go into other things like racism or whatever, you know, between the parties. But have have you well, that kind of thing out in Texas? You have some summer situations out there where you've got the big cities like Houston and Dallas, and then some other you know medium sized cities. But then you have the rest of Texas, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So is um, any thoughts of, of why these folks drawn to these candidates that are not in their league at all? Yeah, that, yeah. I think you're, I think you're hitting on a good point. It is like it is really confusing because uh, like it's not like Kelly Loeffler like cares at all about average people she's she's made it she flies by private jet everywhere she's against you know like the whole slew of ACA she's against she's against uh, abortion uh, I mean obviously only against abortion for uh, the average person if uh, if she were in that position I assume she wouldn't think twice about it but it's uh yeah you're right it is it's really hard to think about because it, is it that people want to think of themselves as temporarily frustrated millionaires? So like, oh, one day they could be like Kelly Loeffler, but like for most people, that's not really going to happen. Uh, no, she flies in a private jet. If she has to go for them, I guess in about hours radius from where she needs to go to and from. Mm-hmm. That's just not feasible. I mean, there are rich people in rural Georgia. They're usually landowners. They may have a farming background, which interestingly, the law for a change comes that she had a farming background. Um, oh, and also six days ago, there was a um, either, a, let me see if it was a, uh, she she claims that she knows how it feels to wait on a paycheck. What? As as with her talking point. So, I mean, mm-hmm. she she keeps drawing up, and and I made the um, reference. She was like a um, uh, an may clamp of some butt, and she tries to dress up and look like a fall lady so to she, try to appeal to these rural Georgia voters. So she so she she says she knows what it means to wait for a paycheck, but she thinks that uh, Georgians who like have pre have a, have pre existing conditions that like their health care shouldn't be covered. Like that totally makes sense. Well heaven for me because she's got plenty of money to pay for her health care. So why yeah. should she worry about anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. So, um, you know, the, the stuff that you're about, so she's running against um, Warnock, everything that I know about uh, Reverend Warnock is he is a pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, of course, where Dr. Martin Luther King um, did a lot of his work when he was still with us years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is an interesting, and of course, he is a, uh, a black guy uh, running against this rich white man who we've just uh, talked about for yeah. a number of minutes there. So it, it is a very striking uh, thing. So you know, Reverend Warnock has got these ads that he is, you know, from Georgia. Uh, his mother, you know, um, when he was growing up, was actually picking cotton fields and down in Waycross, Georgia, who was wow. in uh, rural South Georgia. Um, another store that's out there that he spent some time in Savannah, mm-hmm. over on the coast, and um, you know, he has felt the um, the pressure of. You know, being looked at for law enforcement of you know, he didn't commit a crime, but he's got this, you know, people looking around him just because he looks different from other people around him. He must have some sort of, um, you know, crime or something. So uh, a lot of his position comes from, uh, you know, criminal justice reform, debilitating uh, in private prisons and so forth. Um, so he really, you know, 
bringing himself up, you know, getting a doctor, being in, um, uh, you know, the Baptist church. So um, what have you found about uh, Mr. Oh. Warnock? It's a very, very different striking story between the two candidates. Oh yeah, I, I I didn't know about I didn't know about his uh, personal history like that, but it really colors the. Uh, you're right, it really colors the different positions he has. So like, uh, uh, he understands that like, farming is important for Georgia, and uh, it's not like it's not like he can just mandate like, oh, you have to have more like climate change friendly practices. He's actually interested in creating economic incentives for farmers to help fight, fight climate change. It's not just, you can't just say, hey, everyone do this now. It's much more effective to uh, to say, like, hey, um, like, sure, you can do what you, what you were doing, but if you do these things, which also happen to be better for the environment, you can get uh, additional farming subsidies. That that makes a lot a lot makes a lot more sense. It shows that he. It makes sense why he understands how farmers think and what's important to them. And then uh, we talked about. So, uh, oh yeah, and then or I, I was going to move on to the criminal justice stuff. But do you have something else on the farming? Um, no, that's uh, okay. And I, the only thing about farming that I've come across is I spent some time with a gentleman, Fred Swan. He ran for Georgia Georgia State. Agriculture Commission um, four years ago, and he was uh, saying, and this goes back to the perspective of those rural Georgia voters. He says the, the landowners and sometimes the farmers that also farm on that land to have these vast you know, acreage plots, um, they are probably voting Republican. That all the people that they hang around, all of the um, the connections that they have to elected offices, it's very difficult to find someone. Um, because they're probably looking at it from a money standpoint, from taxes and mm-hmm. you know, being able to write off stuff. So it's going to be very likely to be able to turn one of those type of voters. His recommendation says go out and find the people that work on the land. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, the landowner, they will not necessarily own the land. They just sit back, pay the taxes, and they end up leasing out the land for mm-hmm. folks to farm on. He says, go out and find, you know, uh, folks that are in the vote mm-hmm. uh, that actually work on the land and talk about these talking points. And when you're able to try to you know, encourage them. So um, it, it's interesting to see how that goes. I remember our drive down to Florida, there's a lot of cotton right now mm-hmm. in the fields. Yep. Um, when, when you drive down some of these roads, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, out of the fields and they, they've got it ready. But as the trucks are taking those huge bales of cotton, the road and ever the cotton flies off of the bale and lands on the side of the road. So it's not snow. It's uh, yeah. in the South Georgia, but it's yeah. uh, a lot of cotton you know, that's down there. That is, that's an image. Yeah, I have, I have not. I've not seen that before because I'm. I've not spent enough time in South Georgia. But it also, the, uh, this struck me, there, there's a, um, uh, I call her an acquaintance. We were pretty good friends in, in high school. But, um, she apparently is a, um, an ultrasound tech for a uh, OBGYN practice in uh, southwest Georgia. She posted on December 3rd with a link to an article from Newsweek um, because there is a, a wedge point that comes up in almost every election between uh, conservatives and liberals about uh, pro-choice and the abortion. And I'll quote from a post on Facebook December 3rd. Yeah. And then this is a lady a little bit younger than me, as I recall, maybe a year or two, but uh, she is a medical professional you know, down yeah. in West Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm voting pro-life, and I would love for you to join me, exclamation uh. point. I don't understand how a pastor can be pro-choice. Uh. And I, I let it be. It has 18 likes. 12 comments, mm-hmm. um, and it leads to an article from news.com talking about Doug Collins, of all people. Um, we, we, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about mm-hmm. Doug Collins, but he's out there uh, you know, rummaging through people trying to say that we're not, you, know, you can't be a pastor and also be pro choice. <sighs> yeah, so we, we, we've got that going on as yeah. this um, microcosm between. 
and I'd say even pro-choice or pro-life, that's not necessarily a city thing or sort of rural thing, mm-hmm. but um, in all of my involvement in, um, in political mm-hmm. uh, work there, you, you have the term of a single-ish voter. Yeah. But something like abortion, they just draw a line in the sand. They're not going to cross over that line. And if the candidate has, you know, chosen to be on the side of the line or the other, the further vote goes. Yeah, those are those are really hard situations to work with because you've essentially convinced someone that okay, like I can I can hurt you with all of these other policies and take advantage of you politically in these different ways, but as long as I pay lip service to this one issue, then I can do whatever I want. That's Ah, that's that's always very frustrating to like to work with and uh, to even just uh, speak with someone about. I also found your um, in your notes you're talking about uh, private yeah. prisons and mm-hmm. just did a quick search here. Um, if you go to the official Georgia State Department of Corrections um, website, there's actually a completely separate page just on private prisons here in Georgia. And so the state of Georgia has contracts with two private prison companies, First uh, Civic Geo Corporation. And these facilities are contracted to house 7,974 offenders in four private facilities here in yep. Georgia. Yeah, uh, and, uh, in addition to that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and they can, uh, because they're, with a lot of these prisons, uh, their contract with the state requires that they have a certain number of prisoners housed any time. So the state is incentivized to the state incentivizes its judges to send people to prison that shouldn't necessarily have to. And uh, the private prisons, of course, because they get paid by how many people they're housing, uh, they have an incentive to not grant parole to prisoners who are being perfectly reasonable and who have who have actually shown that they can be released back into society. It's just an awful situation. I can't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine that you are a staffer in one of these private prisons. You're a cell guard or whatever. So the, the situation is you're, you're being paid. Um, I guess you get some benefits from the company. But you, you have counterparts in other parts of the state and other facilities where it's a different facility. It's just a very interesting, I mean, you can look at it from both sides, I guess, but it's just a very interesting um, difference in looking at. So when you go into work in this private setting, are you getting, um, you know, information from your coworkers, from your management, uh, you know, roles there that lead to, um, you know, keep these prisoners around because it's your next paycheck? Well, in general, in general, it's been shown that, like, uh, they treat, uh, in general, private prisons treat prisoners worse because, of course, they want, uh, they want to handle them more cheaply. They don't, they don't see them as quite as humans. So you end up with, like, you end up with the opposite impact that you want prisons to have. You end up with higher recidivism rates. You end up with higher rates of violence in these places. And since they're private, it's a lot easier for them to, to cover up when things happen compared to state prisons. Oh, yeah, because the state prisons, of course, have a lot more oversight. Yeah, and I was going to say also, there is the uh, the Stewart prison that is in um, rural South Georgia, Stewart uh, Detention Center, that has a number of um, immigration folks uh, locked up there. And I had to go and try to find the article, but there was a, a story uh, that was pretty obscene, honestly, that these employees were getting um, hysterectomies against their will in this oh, facility down in South Georgia. I didn't realize that was the that was a place where that was happening. That's I don't even like that's that's just absolutely infuriating. Like it's like literally what we did to Native Americans. What was that in the in the '60s? And I, I can't. I can't believe that that's happening in this millennium. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's archaic. But there, um, that there is a very detailed, so many pages of those, um, 182-page document that the ACLU of Georgia has uh, mm-hmm. 
with and they are just covering the four immigration detention centers and facilities in Georgia, including that one that's uh, we've had a number of stories come out of the Stewart County Detention Center down in Lumpkin, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So it's um you know, going back to, to Warnock and you know to yeah. come back to where we started this conversation, it looks like he has an interest to um you know stop the um the, the private prisons. Oh yeah, I can, I can imagine that's very dear, very dear to his uh, heart. Just uh, like growing up black in Georgia, just I can't like uh, like the the overwhelming rate at which uh, we send black people to prison compared to white people. Like everyone everyone knows or has like like a close friend or a family member who's like been in prison just because of how. Uh, like how asymmetric that is compared to the the traditional white people experience. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, when when looking at Lawler versus Warnock, um, and trying to because uh, you know being from South Georgia and, and living there and growing up down there, and and seeing the perspectives and hearing about the perspectives, mm-hmm. um, just wanted to to bring that into the conversation to see if there was any. So, you know, sometimes it's difficult for these kind of folks to even listen to any other uh, viewpoint um, because and I don't want to go too extreme and try to you know call them out bad people or whatever. But you know, if you wake up and you, your family that's around you, everybody is a Republican. You go to work in the morning, everybody there is talking Republican. Maybe they're even wearing paraphernalia from a particular conservative candidate. How is the person going to feel like they fit in if they come out and, and, and hear you know, us talking or the political ladder and they end up coming out? Um, it could be violence sometimes, yeah. literally. But these folks, they're, they're honestly scared to vote any different what the people around them are doing. Yeah, I just... I don't... Yeah, I really don't know what to do it just makes me sad and angry and i wish like i wish i had the words of what to say to people in those positions yeah well you, you, know, you digress and, and, and here we go we, we got um already a t-ballot actually dropped my t-ballot off yesterday it was already in the mail and we've got our early voting starting does, does um does california or texas do early voting uh yeah, yes yeah we do. Um uh yeah. yeah when I was in, when I I moved from California to Texas in the past few months so then uh I uh I switched over my registration from California to Texas and fortunately was able to vote uh, early in Texas. Yeah we have, we have the same here and that's starting soon leading up to this runoff in January. Um. Yeah, so uh, last evening, uh, Trump flew to town. Then a day or two ago, Pence was in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're bringing out their big guns and, and clean people yeah. like Doug Collins, who yeah. is um, an interesting guy um, to try to shoot for. But if I'm not mistaken, I, I heard last evening that uh, Trump went on for about an hour and a half mm-hmm. on the stage at the yeah. uh, Valdosta Airport in South Georgia. But he didn't let uh, Purdue also talk for about two minutes total. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it? Um, yeah. Uh, which is which is the one that's uh, refusing, like, uh, re- refusing the debate? Is that? Oh yeah, we, we can talk about chicken. So there is a hashtag on yeah. uh, social media, hashtag Chicken Purdue. Um, because uh, you see, it was back beyond just the re-election effort. Um, Purdue has never held a, I'll call it a, a true town hall. Uh, to give him just a little bit of credit, he has um, uh, advertised in air quotes so-called town halls, but they only went out to his Republican supporters. So of course, he's not going to, you know, get any questions to that type of forum from anyone that's its own opposing side for the most part. Or if those questions then they're probably being screened and thrown in the trash, or he doesn't have to answer to those. Yeah. So that's his history, and he's actually gone on the record of Thomas mistaken and said that the halls are just not his style. 
Uh, so in other words, he doesn't care about what average people think or what issues are important to them. No, and, and it's been very clear that um, also footage out there. It amazes me. I, I've said this numerous times. I've posted it on the social media. There is footage out there. So, um, and this was in, at Georgia Tech. I believe he went to Georgia Tech in Metro Atlanta as his alma mater. <clears throat> and he was there doing some sort of, um, you know, they were opening a new building. I don't remember exactly the guys of why Purdue was there, but as I understand, he is an alumni. And one of uh, the uh, students walked up to him with a phone in his hand and oh, yeah. uh, wanted to ask him some questions. And um, when Purdue figured out what was going on, he says, they're not going to do that. And he snatched the phone out of yeah. the, um, the student's hand. And um, it, it amazes me with some sort of the powerful video footage like that that the campaign or hack has not used that against Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also more footage from some ladies um, back when the Kavanaugh mm-hmm. confirmation was going on. Um, you know, Purdue, if I'm not mistaken, Purdue actually was in television TV ads. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to convince everyone that Kavanaugh was a good justice to put on the Supreme Court. And, of course, um, going back to our talk about uh, abortion, that, that's a, uh, a big concern for those involved in uh, abortion politics there, that Roe v. Wade may be overturned. So that these, um, the, the ladies that confronted Purdue at the, um, the Reagan airport in D.C., they were on the... Um, you know, that that was the guy so that they were to talk about the, the Kavanaugh confirmation that may affect abortion rights. So the lady is, you know, the phone's in their hand. So they're getting live video footage of this. And Purdue stops at the lady Porter and he says, don't touch me. <laughs> and they continue walking down the uh, hallway. There's a lady with Purdue. I don't know what Purdue's wife looks like. Because she doesn't seem to be very involved in anything, um, but there's a, a one-haired lady next to him. He mentions something while I go head ahead, and he walks off into the airport bathroom to avoid because all of they all had to all be ladies that were um, they're trying to track him down, and then there were the video cuts. But these are very powerful stories and images and video that it, it amazes me to know in that um, either someone with um, Ossoff's campaign. Pack has not picked up, you know, uh, footage put into public ads. Yeah, because that's just it's just showing that just like Purdue could not like he sees himself as above like everyone else. Like he's not he's not beholden to the same rules that we that everyone else is. Just. And just feels and like he actually did some research into uh, Purdue's background. He he tries to call himself an outsider, uh-huh. um, which is kind of similar to how Waffler uh, tries to portray herself an outsider. Yeah. And there's actually a, a political ad um, for Purdue going around. He actually admits in the TV ad that he never wanted to run for Congress. And my response was, well, "Get out!" And, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's you know it. it there's clearly some other desire for both of these candidates to really want to be in because they have plenty of money. That they, they oh, yeah. have to be but in they, these they re- positions of power. Yeah, but they, they realize they can use these positions of powers to enrich themselves and their friends and make it so that, like, no one else has the same opportunities they do. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, uh, and specifically, Purdue has gone even there have been um, news stories out there that he has um, used his positions of power on these certain uh, committees mm-hmm. to steer government contracts towards companies. And then ultimately behind the scenes, he was calling his broker to buy stock in these companies that he knew eventually were, was going to get a windfall and, of course, increase his, uh, his income that way. Oh, yeah. He's been the most prolific stock trader of just anyone in the Senate. Like, literally... Like, if you take all of the trades that every senator has done, he has done one-third of all trades. Uh, I, like, either, either since he became office or, like, this entire year. Like, it's, uh, like, these are, these are individual trades uh, where he's profited, usually from the cases you're talking about, where he's on a committee, he has some say in where the money goes, and uh, 
he can direct the funds towards uh, the companies where it will result in more money for himself. Like that's just, it's just revolting. Yeah, I want to repeat that. The most prolific stock trader, one-third of all trades in the Senate were by yeah. just Purdue himself. Yep. I mean, that, that sounds like he spends a lot of time on his stock portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, he went to Paul's Arnest style. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's apparently got managers, so there's uh, uh, there's some sort of plausible deniability, like, oh, he doesn't tell them what to invest in, uh, but uh, just the like, like, like the ease at which he could very easily take advantage of the situation. Like, we should we shouldn't be questioning whether or not senators can like have to decide between enriching themselves and doing what's best for the country. Like there's no, uh, we should never be in a situation like that. And he's either towing the line or has gone way over the line. And it really would not be surprising if he's gone over it. Yeah. Well, and so both uh, Purdue and Loeffler, I recall seeing um, political ads because they take a lot of heat over this. And it's mm -hmm. by national news, um, I would say international news. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, okay, so it's interesting sometimes to see a, a BBC News yeah. uh, perspective on American politics. And uh, those are interesting to read sometimes. But um, um, that they've come out in these political ads on the defense saying that um, they've had numerous ethics uh, committees look into the allegations they have made these stock trades and found no issues. And, and my response to that is, well, just because they found no issues, that doesn't make it right. Yeah, well, it's interesting that they say they find no issues, and then each time that happens, he sort of takes several steps back. So it's like, oh, okay, then I'm not going to make the trades myself. Oh, okay, now I'm not going to do, I'm not, like, uh, like each, each time that something like that happens, he has some response to sort of, uh, like, mitigate how it looks. But if he wasn't, if they didn't find anything, there wouldn't be any reason for him to be doing this. Like it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, the, uh, um, the, the, also the story that you got here from Pillotech, he, he tries to also throw off as being a corporate CEO and he's down around uh -huh. to a couple of companies, uh, Reebok, Pillotech, and Dollar Tree are the three that come to mind. Yeah. Honestly, I, I would, if I were Reebok, I would send David Perdue and cease and desist letter and say, stop talking about us. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they want to put us in your resume, that's fine, but stop putting us in political ads. It's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff that Purdue has done, but he still walks around and says, oh, yeah, I was CEO of Reebok for whatever year he was there. But you, you did a specific research about Pillotex. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, just in general, uh, Purdue is known as someone who you send in to make money for investors. He's not, he's not someone who will make the business do better. He's not someone that uh, will make sure the employees are taken care of. He's someone where it's like the investors want to make a quick buck, so you send him in there. Uh, he gets a big bonus, then he's out. And that's exactly what happened with Pillotech. Uh, Purdue became CEO of Pillotech in June 2002 because they were having financial troubles. He essentially got there and just sort of gave up. Uh, it was said that uh, his behavior while he was CEO was just so demoralizing to the staff there that like, it was just infectious, where it's like, oh, the CEO of the company doesn't even believe in this, so why should I really try? And then uh, he got himself a nice $1.7 million compensation package leaving after just nine months, and they said he was barely even there while he was CEO. Uh, and that that departure coupled with like that really nice compensation package uh, just kind of killed morale. Uh, Pillotech closed just a couple months later, uh, and in a single day, this killed over 7,000 jobs. And in North Carolina alone, uh, 4,000 people were out of work in a single day. Uh, at the time, this was the most jobs that North Carolina had lost in a single day, and it was all because uh, Purdue just didn't care. Uh, he was put in charge of this, of all these people's livelihoods, and uh, he was more interested in getting money for the shareholders. Yeah, and, and was able to pocket $1.7 million uh, as all that went down behind him. Yeah. 
mean, it, it, it just, I, I don't understand it. It goes back to what I was trying to say, that these folks in rural Georgia that traditionally vote Republican and red to talk about these histories with these candidates, you're, you're not voting in your own interest. Yep. And it's yeah. just because the people around you or just because you like, you know, something. Um, uh, even Stacey Abrams has made a comment. She says, identity politics will probably be the death of us. But, you know, folks, they, they just identify with these candidates or these groups of people that are, you know, promoting these candidates. But ultimately, it's not in their own interest. Yeah. Yeah, is, is, is Purdue really going to vote for, uh, like, financial aid to people to handle coronavirus when, like, he chose just, like, $1.7 million in compensation and money for investors over, like, 7,600 people's jobs like uh, he is he is not going to make that he's not going to vote that for you like he he couldn't care if you're left in the dirt with that and Ossoff has even pointed out that he does live in a private uh, beachfront community um, and he's out there, uh, building seawalls to combat the uh, the rise of the uh, sea levels or him. Um, yep. He's almost like he's uh, they build around New Orleans, mm-hmm. but around the, the coast of Georgia. Oh yeah, so it's it's funny because Purdue, who denies that he denies that climate change is even happening, but he literally lives in a community that is spending many many thousands of dollars to protect the community from rising sea levels and climate change. Like that's just like how two faced can you be? Like it's like literally where you live is having to make changes because of the thing you say doesn't exist. So let's talk about Ossoff for a little bit. Um, I think that's enough on uh, the... I've coined the term uh, Putin Purdue, P-U-T-I, for uh, for Mr. Purdue there. But uh, John Ossoff's history, um, and I I have to dig into his family a little bit more. I I believe his family has some uh, political ties. But um, he gained a lot of notoriety for uh, going... Uh, for uh, District 6, which is a U.S. Congressional District 6 here. And uh, it's mostly around north metro Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually live across the street from District 6 because um, I'm gerrymandered into uh, District 11. Mm-hmm. But um, District 6, um, at the time, he was running against Karen Handel, and it was the most expensive congressional race ever. Wow. And everything that I've seen from... Um, the aftermath of uh, you know, losing that, um, that seat, unfortunately, um, was that he was able to amass a huge um, uh, uh, group of followers mm-hmm. and you know, donors, too. Um, I mean, if you look at all of his uh, filings, um, he, he does get a lot of um, national money you know, for mm-hmm. his races. But yeah. uh, that actually kind of set him up uh, for stage for this uh, Senate race. And it's interesting to see. So Johnny Isaacson, who was the longtime Georgia politician who had uh, Kelly Loeffler's seat, Johnny Isaacson you know, kind of worked his way up. He was in the state legislature. He had you know, several things there. And then he went off to, um, to D.C. In, in that Senate race. Um, Loeffler, Purdue, Ossoff, and Warnock – these are all pretty much their first, you know, uh, stint in politics was going straight into a Senate race. Um, I think that's very interesting to see. And, and it's, I don't know that I have a firm opinion of whether it's good or bad. Um, a lot of people, they say, well, they want term limits. And um, I go back to what Johnny Isaacson said, and he said, if you want term limits, vote me out. I mean, he actually told Georgians that. But he was so popular here in Georgia that he pretty much could go up against anybody and still win. Mm-hmm. So he had that name recognition. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting to see that all four of these candidates, um, their you know Loeffler and Purdue, their first you know political office was straight to a senator, which is a statewide elected position. Yeah. Um, so you know we'll, we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if you had any other uh, talking points for us or. Oh, he, yeah, he, uh, he did have a pretty powerful um, um, camp, uh, uh, debate performance where uh, Purdue actually, in that, at some point, wouldn't even look at Ossoff and mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. decided, decided after that debate that he didn't even want to debate it again. Oh, yeah, because there's, there's no way 
there's no way Purdue can hold a candle to Ossoff. Like if if they appear on stage together, like Ossoff wins every time. There's no like he knows he can't compete. But I think that like I, I would bet a lot of that comes from uh, Ossoff's uh, background in uh, investigative journalism and the documentaries he's done. Uh, so he's like uh, so of course that indicates that he's probably uh, like he cares about the public being aware of things that are going on. He has a, a deep care for uh, social justice issues, but then it's, it's honestly not surprising to me that that translates into a really good stage presence that dominates anyone else that's with him. Yeah. So we shall see. Um, you know, if we look at the uh, the last election, the only reason that Ossoff and Purdue are in a runoff is that um, Purdue was not able to get, um, in Georgia, the, the law, I actually heard the history of the law, it was changed back in the 60s, that to uh, to win these races in Georgia, you have to have 50% of the vote plus one vote. Yep. And um, neither, or, or well, neither, all four of the candidates were able to get that. So that's why we, they take the top two, and here we yep. go back to the runoff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be close. Um, yep. you know, Georgia obviously went for Biden statewide. Yep. But you had these, you obviously had voters that were going into the ballot box that they didn't like uh, Trump, so they voted for Biden. But when they started looking down ballot, they were picking Republicans again. Yep. So um, there is still a huge, um, well, I'll, I'll just go out and say the Republican Party is pretty much a cult. But <laughs> there is a, um, you know, there's still a desire to vote for these candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I just can't imagine. Like you see, you see Ossoff and Warnock who clearly care about other people. They've like done the work on themselves, and then you see Purdue and Loeffler who both like they've shown in their business practices that like if it makes them a buck, they don't really care about anyone else involved. Like why would you why would you think that like after acting like that in the business world? when Loeffler and Purdue get into the political sphere, that somehow their behavior would completely change. Well, it sounds, you know, that, that they both want to follow Trump. Well, it, interestingly, that, um, you know, in the, the uh, campaign event down at Valdosta last evening, Trump only let them talk for two minutes, but they still showed up. Um, uh, Kemp, the governor, who is uh, having a big quarrel with Trump because <laughs> he, he won't do what Trump wants him to do, Kemp did not show up to the campaign event last evening. Yeah. Um, but um, that you, you literally have to, you know, a so-called businessman like Trump, you have to go back and try to draw your parallels to him. Um, but on the other hand, after Biden is up winning Georgia, um, I don't think there are any ads out there pro um, uh, Loeffler or Purdue that are drawing their parallels to Trump. Um, and even before the election, uh, Purdue, um, I don't think mentioned Trump once at all in any of his campaign ads because he was so afraid of, um, you know, that actually people seeing that and, and then not wanting to vote because they look at the polling numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's really telling because that's a reversal from uh, what he used to be running on. He used to be running on, uh, like, before before Trump, before it, uh, like, came out that Georgia was going blue, uh, Purdue was a lot more on like, oh, he's he's going to cement, uh, he, he's going to be more of Trump. He's just going to be uh, like in that same flavor. So that's that, that's that's where you get the rhetoric like, oh, I'm a political insider and I'm uh, like a business expert just like Trump is. Like that's that's where you got that rhetoric, and it's like in retrospect, it's not surprising that's been dropped after the after the election's over. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I did, there were a few talking points that uh, kind of skipped over in your, in your notes here. Is there anything that you want to go back and cover by chance? Oh, um, yeah, I guess it's just, uh, yeah, otherwise it's just like smaller policy positions, like no no story things. It's like uh, like Purdue has come out very strongly against gay rights. He believes that like government contractors should be able to discriminate at people just because they're 
lesbian, gay, bisexual. Uh, like, obviously, he has voted multiple times to repeal the ACA, so he, like, like not, only, not only publicly says he wants to, uh, like, deny uh, coverage of pre-existing condi uh, conditions, but he has actually voted uh, to undo that. So if, uh, if he's allowed to remain in office, like, like there's still more damage that can be done and more, more ways that the existing law can be weakened even further. Yeah. More specifically to Georgia and the ACA, um, there's this uh, insurance company called Ambetter mm -hmm. that is doing a huge amount of advertising because um, even on the, uh, the public exchange, um, there are other carriers that do have um, or offer insurance over the exchange. I, I looked it up this week because I was curious. Uh, we have Kyler, I think we have Blue Cross. So there are other carriers that do um, offer coverage through the ACA. But the, this one, that, um, it, you see uh, lots of advertising. There are billboards around. There are TV commercials. There are Facebook ads and social media ads from the company and better that is partnered with the, it's called the Peach State Health System or Health mm -hmm. Service. And um, everything that I know about this entity within the state government here is that they had done a lot of good stuff for covering children. Oh. Um, so if, if they were in a situation where the, the parent, maybe they're a single parent, they can't afford coverage for themselves and their child, mm -hmm. they had options for that parent to go and actually cover their child. Mm -hmm. Um, so the latest rendition of this are, are these and better plans. And I actually had some struggles with um, health insurance over the past year, being going through a layoff and uh, having you know, temporary COBRA coverage and all that going on. So it was something that was near and dear to my heart, mm -hmm. uh, you know, making sure that I had uh, something in case something could happen to me. Uh, but these and better plans, they're not really accepted by a lot of doctors. I mean, you can go into... Uh, the Ambetter website and um, you know, put in your zip code, look for a doctor or specialist that you need, but there's not a lot that actually take the coverage <sighs> when you compare it to you know, these larger Aetna, United yep. Healthcare, Pet Humana, that mm -hmm. those are really the, the big network holders. Yep. So it's very interesting to see the state, and then the cost for the plan is not really any cheaper. I mean, I was paying COBRA for a number of months, and it was the same cost to go into one of these Ambetter plans. Yeah. So you're paying, you know, okay. the same or more for coverage that's not as good. And, and I want to go back and, and quote some of these Republican folks and saying, well, we're going to have, you know, better than Obamacare, and you're not going to lose your doctor. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what is actually played out. Mm -hmm. So in, yeah. in Texas or, or California, are there any other ways, you know, with, with health care and, and how this plays out? Or um, is Texas still trying to shy away from Obamacare? I don't know. Um, uh, I did Obamacare for a bit in California, and I remember being incredibly easy to sign up. Uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've really not played around with it in Texas, so I don't know. Sure. I, I would assume there's something similar to what Georgia, because the they, they want to get rid of Obamacare probably because of the name mostly because uh, yeah. a lot of these, you know, rural Georgia conservative Republican voters, anything that has Obama on it, they don't want anything to do with it. They're not, yeah. not going to touch it. Yeah, but, but if you, yet, call when you look at your, then then the yeah. approval rating is much higher just because you used a different name. Yeah. But um, just to call the, the difference, and I've even you know, posted on social media, like I'm still looking for Trump Care because Trump Care was supposed to be better than everything else is supposed to be cheaper, um, but that never turned into anything, of course. Yep. Because obviously you never had a plan. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we'll see where this all goes. Um, and it just goes back to how important these two um, you know, senator uh, seats are going to be because um, you know, Mr. McConnell has shown shown his true colors numerous, uh, countless times. He has no interest in um, in uh, you know sitting down at the table, uh, having reasonable kind you know conversations about uh, you know legislation that needs to happen. It's, it's his his way or the highway, and uh, he he is going to continue to pull those uh, antics. You know, over this next uh, four years, if he is going to be the leader of the Senate yep. you know, from, from winning these uh, two seats. Yeah, 
It's, I, I almost wonder what I, Tommy Einstein is doing. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, I don't, I don't want to think about what the, like, like essentially what Democrats are going to have to do if uh, if they're unable to really make any policies for the next at least two years. Yeah, that, yeah. I was curious to see if there was any, because um, I'm wondering what Johnny Isaacson is doing these days. I mean, I think he ended up having Parkinson's, so that's the biggest reason why he mm-hmm. stepped down from uh, that. But he, he's not in the news anywhere. Uh, he doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, talking about any of the, what's going on at all. But um, I, I, something tells me that I don't think he's completely um, happy with the way that uh, Georgia politics has gone. But uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other um, points or uh, topics we should cover? Uh, nope. That's uh, that's uh pretty much what I've got. Just want to reiterate, of course, that like with like if uh, if Purdue and Loeffler uh, are like if they're elected, then it's uh, like you're not going to see any COVID relief. They like that will not be a priority for them. Like it has to be has to be Ossoff and it has to be Warnock or else you're not going to like things aren't going to get better. Um, I'm awaiting my uh, COVID results. I mean, I, I guess I admitted a little bit earlier that we, we went against the, uh, the recommendation. We did travel for Thanksgiving, um, but we went yesterday to get a uh, COVID test. So I'm awaiting those results. I not had any symptoms, but just wanted to uh, double check because it's uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I was actually surprised yesterday when we went to the testing place. Um, there were not uh, more people. Um, it was a very quick in and out Um you know, uh, to get the test. But, yeah. um, but it's, it's, good uh, that, it's good that you waited uh, a bit over a week before getting tested because, of course, it's it's easy to get. There's a high rate of uh, false negatives if you only get tested, like, three days after potential exposure, but you waited the good, uh, like, seven to eight days, so that's perfect. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, uh, there is promising news from the, uh, the vaccine manufacturers, from multiple manufacturers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so we'll, uh, well, hopefully that uh, continues to be good news because we've we got to get this behind us. Yeah. All right. We'll probably uh, button this up. Any uh, other final points here? No, that's it for me. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. for uh, This is our third installment of, uh, now we're going to call it Goddamn Bibles. <laughs> and uh, we'll get this uh, published out and get some, uh, some talking points for retweets done. Thanks. Yep. Bye, y'all.